Welcome to the Michael M. Hotep Show. Welcome to the Michael M. Hotep Show. Uh, we are here live. Uh, I set up uh, a broadcast for tonight, and I'm trying out some new technology as well. So we're going to get things started here in just a minute. So we're live tonight. Today is um, this is Wednesday, April fifth, two thousand seventeen. We're live tonight. Uh, here on Blog Talk Radio, and we're about to broadcast on Facebook Live also. So let me get this broadcast going here on Facebook Live. All right, so we're going to talk about a few things tonight. One of the things we're going to talk about is what's wrong with black people in Ferguson, Missouri. What's wrong with black people in Ferguson, Missouri, okay? Um, In Ferguson, Missouri, you uh, you just had an election that took place uh, Tuesday night, okay? Tuesday night in Ferguson. Well, Tuesday in Ferguson, right? And uh, you had an African-American woman who is on the city council who was running for mayor, and she was not elected. How is that possible? Okay? And let's start uh, with broadcasting on Audacity as well. All right, let's start that. Okay, so, hey, welcome to the... Um, Michael M. Hotep showed us a special broadcast. This is Wednesday, uh, April 5th, 2017. Wednesday, April 5th, 2017. And we're going to, uh, we're live here on Blog Talk Radio. Okay. Uh, You can listen on Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African History Network show, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African History Network show. Okay, Uh, you can um, listen live there and then um, you can uh, also uh, we're about to broadcast on Facebook Live as well. Um, So we're getting that set up right now uh, on Facebook Live also. Okay, and then uh, we're going to talk about a uh, live webinar that I'm doing on Thursday, um, April 6th. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Okay. I'm doing a live webinar and um, you'll be able to uh, watch from around the world. Okay. And this is a, uh, hold on just a second here. Let me set this up. All right, so this is eight hours. Um, it's an eight-hour course, and it is over the course of four days. And let's start this on Facebook Live. It's going to be four consecutive, four consecutive Thursdays, four consecutive Thursdays. Okay, and let's double check something here. All right, four consecutive Thursdays. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, okay? And um, that's coming up um, April 6, 2017. It's going to be in two uh, sessions. It's going to be uh, two-hour sessions, four two-hour sessions. We'll talk about that some uh, today as well. And uh, also, we have to talk about who killed Tupac. Who killed Tupac, okay? Um some information came out yesterday 
about uh, Suge Knight, okay, and the death of Tupac Shakur. We'll talk about that as well, all right? Hey, hello to everybody on Facebook Live. Uh, we're broadcasting on uh, the Blog Talk Radio Network, my Blog Talk Radio channel. Um, so this is a special broadcast of uh, the Michael M. Hotep show. And uh wanted to broadcast earlier, but I had to set some equipment up here uh, in the office, okay? So black people. I had to set some equipment up here in the office. All right, so we're broadcasting on uh, uh, YouTube as well. So let's get this going on YouTube also. All right, just a second here. Okay, so we got that thumbnail. Let's go live on YouTube. Okay, so um, so we're going to talk about uh, who killed Tupac. We're also going to talk about what's wrong with black people in Ferguson, Missouri. Okay, what's wrong with black people in Ferguson, Missouri? We'll deal with that as well. And uh, also we'll um, talk about um, my live webinar coming up, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach in school. Most people have never seen anything like this. It starts starts Thursday, April 6th, 2017, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live international webinar. Uh, you can um, visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the live webinar uh, there at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay? Uh, also, uh, on tonight's show, we'll deal with... Um, one other topic. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, it came out Sunday in the New York Times that Bill O'Reilly uh, paid $13 million in uh, the settled sexual harassment lawsuits. Well, uh, as of earlier today, he has lost a number of advertisers. He has lost a number of advertisers. We're going to talk about this because a lot of white people are outraged behind this. And a lot of corporations are outraged behind this, and they are redistributing the pain to Bill O'Reilly. They are redistributing the pain to Bill O'Reilly. So what can African-Americans learn from this? What can African-Americans learn from this? Okay. Uh, very, very uh, important question. All right. So shout out to people watching us on Facebook Live. Our Facebook fan page is the African History Network, the African History Network on Facebook. And then uh, we're broadcasting on our YouTube channel, uh, the MJ Rob 1914 YouTube channel on Facebook. Also, we're broadcasting there as well. All right. And let me get this uh, set up here. So this is a little experimental because we're broadcasting on Facebook Live, our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. We're broadcasting on our YouTube channel and we're broadcasting on Blog Talk Radio all at the same time. OK, now. Um, we have the and, and uh, let's see, I'm going to post the information uh, to register for our um, live international webinar that starts tomorrow. Uh, we'll post the information here in uh, in just a minute. OK, we'll post it on the thread of the Facebook live broadcast. And then uh, also you can call in if you have a question or comment uh, to the show. Nine one four three three eight thirteen seventy five nine one four three three eight. 1375 is the call in number if you have a question or comment for tonight's show. And, you know, I, I started out broadcasting on Blog Talk Radio uh, years ago. And uh, sometimes, you know, I always kept the channel here. This is where we podcast our episodes of our show. 
This is where we podcast our episodes of our show. So um, we have um, uh, over 700 podcasted episodes of the show here as well. Okay. So on the thread of the broadcast, we just posted the information uh, for tonight's show as well. Share this on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. All right. So uh, I was watching, um, and you're going to hear me acknowledge some of the people here on uh, on Facebook Live also, right? So I was uh, watching, um, um, what was it, um, MSNBC Tonight, Chris Matthews. Uh, yeah, Chris Matthews, MSNBC Tonight, right? And Chris Matthews, uh, he was interviewing Jason Johnson. Okay, Jason Johnson, who is the political editor for TheRoot.com, okay? And uh, we'll acknowledge some of the people here on Facebook. Shout out to everybody watching on YouTube as well, okay? How's everybody doing? This is Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the Michael M. Hotep Show, host of the African History Network Show. Uh, We're doing a live broadcast, special broadcast tonight, right? And uh, Jason Johnson said something that infuriated me, okay? It really, really pissed me off. And, uh, you know, I have to I have to be up at 5 a.m. to do uh, Steve Hood's radio show, Wake Up with Steve Hood on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation. Uh, you know, I'm on every Thursday morning, uh, 7 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. This Thursday, uh, I will be guest hosting. OK, so uh, we're going to be here till about 1230, I guess, maybe 1 a.m. Then I have to get to bed because I have to be back up at 5 a.m. But Jason Johnson was talking about Ferguson, Missouri. And he talked about the election that took place in Ferguson, Missouri, right? He's the political editor for the root.com. And uh, Sunday on new on uh, Sunday on, I think it was on um, politics nation, Reverend Al Sharpton, Reverend Al Sharpton interviewed an African-American woman who's on city council. Her name is Ella Jones. She's on the city council in Ferguson, Missouri. Right. And she's running, she was running for mayor. Okay. And she explained, you know, why she should be mayor, et cetera. All right. And she talked about some of the changes taking place in Ferguson still have a long ways to go. You have three African-Americans on the city council now in Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, She's one of them. Now, this was behind the August 9th, 2014 uh, killing of Michael Brown. Okay, unarmed African-American teenager, uh, Michael Brown, who was killed uh, by Officer Darren Wilson. Right. And we know there were protests. Uh, behind it, there was rebellion. There was a Department of Justice investigation into the patterns and practices of the Baltimore Police Department. Okay, and also just so people understand, the Obama administration had more investigations into the patterns and practices of police departments than any previous administration going back to 1991, because it was uh, it was because of the Rodney King beating that took place. And the subsequent non-acquittal at the local level of police of the police officers, uh, the the Congress gave the Department of Justice the ability to and the authority to do the investigations into the patterns and practices of police departments. All right. So the Obama administration has had 25 investigations into the patterns and practices of police departments, which has led to 14 consent decrees more than any previous administration. So there was a tactical era when you had a lot of activists who did not vote for Hillary Clinton or did not vote at all because she was going to continue what President Obama was doing 
when it came to the consent decrees, when it came to the investigations into the patterns and practices of police departments, things like this. Read the criminal justice reform program, okay? People made a, 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 a critical error, all right? Jasmine D. Malloy on Facebook said, how do you feel about the Pepsi commercial? I've seen bits and pieces about this. It, it sounds like a co-opting. It sounds like a watering down of the movement and, and, and trying to promote and trying to use Pepsi to um, um, tr- trying to interject Pepsi into the whole Black Lives Matter uh, movement, uh, police misconduct, things like this. OK, if Pepsi wants to really do something, Pepsi can talk, talk about closing down bottling plants in cities where African-Americans are unjustly shot down in the street by police. And in cities where African-Americans disproportionately arrest police and have broken policy windows and things like this. That's what Pepsi can do if they really want to do something. Okay, so, um, and once again, we're broadcasting on uh, um, um, Blog Talk Radio as well, okay? Um, So you can listen at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African History Network show or on Facebook Live or on YouTube, our YouTube channel, MJ Rob 1914 um, You can call in if you have a question or comment, 914-338-1375. We have the information posted in the thread here on um, Facebook, 914-338-1375, okay? So I was watching Politics Nation, saw this African-American woman who's on the city council, her name's Ella Jones. Um, she said she was running for the mayor of um, – of, um, Ferguson, Missouri, right? So we know Ferguson, Missouri, 67% African-American, very small population, something like, I think, 27,000, something like that. So Jason Johnson, who's the political editor of TheRoot.com, today on um, Hardball with Chris Matthews on MSNBC, he said that Ella Jones lost her bid to become the next mayor of Ferguson, Missouri, Okay. So you would think, well, she lost her bid, then maybe somebody, uh, some other African-American won to be Mayor Ferguson, Missouri, right? Or maybe it was some other white person who was really progressive, and they understood what was going on, and they said, we need to have change. We're going to work with the African-Americans here because the over-policing, what's going on, is wrong. Maybe they won. No, they didn't win. James Knowles III, James Knowles III, the current mayor of Ferguson, Missouri, was reelected. This is the same James Knowles III who was mayor when Michael Brown was was shot and killed by Officer Darren Wilson. This is the same James Knowles III who said that Ferguson, Missouri, did not have a race problem. They didn't have a problem with racism. All the, it's the same mayor who said that he got reelected. He got reelected by less than. 500 votes. Ella Jones had 1,467 votes. 1,467 votes. She got 43.7% of the votes. James Knowles III got 1,889 votes. He he won by, he got 56.3% of the votes. Now, Jason Johnson today on uh, Facebook, he's, I mean, not Facebook, on um, MSNBC, he said that only about there was only about one percent voter turnout of registered voters. How the hell is that possible? How was that possible after all the protests that took place after all the protests that took place in Ferguson, Missouri? 
after all the nationwide upheaval and people complaining about the police department and something like 57 officers on the police department, only three African-American. At the time, either one or no African, I think at the time there were no African-Americans on city council. You got a white person who was city manager. After all, after all of this, after all this national outrage and black people taking buses to go down to Ferguson, Missouri and the protests and to stand up against the police and to have tear gas shot on them, have guns pointed at them, to be locked up. After all this, you mean to tell me these Negroes were too lazy to give up, get up off their black asses and go vote this guy out of office? Is this what you're trying to tell me? This makes no sense whatsoever. This is why I said, what the hell's wrong with black people in Ferguson, Missouri? So Jason Johnson wrote an article today. It was posted at 3.35 p.m. Ferguson, Missouri stays in the sunken place, reelects failed mayor. Ferguson, Missouri stays in the sunken place, reelects failed mayor. Now, on MSNBC today, Jason Johnson said that... uh, uh, Chris Matthews asked, well, why do you think this is? We all remember Ferguson all over the news, all over the news. He said, why do you think this is? He said, well, it seems like people decided to go with um, uh, the peop- the uh, okay, the broadcast of Dr. Claude Anderson. That ain't that's not a live broadcast as a rebroadcast. OK, just so you know, um, I think uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins is broadcasting that on our page. That's a rebroadcast. I'm live. It's. 11.39 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, April 5th, 2017. Herbert uh, Whitehead and somebody else. I'm live. This is Michael M. Hotep. This is not a rebroadcast. Benny Howard, Peggy Williams Mills, everybody, share this uh, broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. Uh, this is a broadcast of uh, Dr. Claude Anderson here on our Facebook page also. Okay, so, but you can go back and watch that again. Uh, I'm live right now, and we're broadcasting on... Uh, a blog talk radio page also blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African history network show blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African history network show. All right. Okay. So, um, he said, he, Jason Johnson said, it appears that people decided to vote for the devil they knew as opposed to the devil they did not know. It appears that people decided to vote for the devil they knew as opposed to the devil they did not know. Okay. If that's, if that's the case, that's stupid. That's stupid. You, you have been talking about since 2014, how bad this mayor is. And now you have a chance to vote him out of office, to vote somebody in the office that you voted for, for city council. And you don't think she's better than this guy. Even if she, even if she turned out to be just as bad, it's better to vote him out of office and have a massive uprising with voters to show your political power. Because, see, when you come out and vote, you have to understand you have the power to fire these jokers. Okay? Election, election day for mayor only comes around usually once every four years. If you, if you stay asleep and you have 1% voter turnout, that tells them that they can just do whatever they want to, and you're not going to do anything. You're going to protest. You're going to call the media. But when it, tum- when it comes time to actually protest at the, at the voter booth, at the voter polls, and fire them, 
you're not going to do it. So this tells them they can stay in office and just mistreat you as much as they want to. Okay. Now, somebody on Facebook said, uh, I suspect voter fraud. Well, when you look at um, um, voter, when you look at voter turnout in the mayoral elections in Ferguson, Missouri, they are usually this low. They are usually this low because I've seen it before. And, and you can run for mayor or city council in Ferguson, Missouri, only with only about fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. The position of mayor and city, the position of mayor in Ferguson, Missouri, is a part-time position. The city manager is the one who has the real power, okay, in Ferguson. But you've got three African Americans now on city council. You go after the mayorship. Next, you go after the city manager. You run your own candidates, okay? So here's what Jason Johnson said in the article. He said, this is why we can't have nice things, not because they are taken from us or hidden from us or placed behind a thousand foot wall. We can't scale. Nope. Sometimes black people can't have nice things because we steadfastly, inexcusably sabotage ourselves with apathy and ignorance. And this is this is what's happening. This is why I said, you know, when I teach and and we're going to deal with this tomorrow night. When the first installment of our um, eight-hour um, webinar, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school, Dr. Linda Jeffries and Professor James Small, two of my teachers, when they teach, they talk about the pyramid pr- principle. And the foundation of the pyramid is African history and culture. And it's your African history and culture that gives you your VIPs, your values, your interests, and your principles. Your values, interests, and principles, Okay. And what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. All right? So when I see nonsense like this take place, when I see nonsense like this take place, it tells me that the foundation is not in place. Now, if you don't have control if you don't have your history and culture intact, which is the foundation, then it does not matter how much money you have, you won't know what to do with the money. So the two sides of the pyramid are economic empowerment and political empowerment. Okay? If the foundation is not in place, you can have one, a $1.3 trillion economy and 97% of your dollars will be spent with people that don't look like you. Because the, the, the history and culture is directly tied to your self-esteem. And when you're spending 97% of your dollars with people that don't look like you is because you're trying to gain acceptance from them. Okay. The foundation is not there. One person expressed it as saying 97% of what we value is outside of our culture. This is why we spend 97% of our dollars with people don't, don't, don't look like us. And what you, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So the foundation has to be changed. We have to reclaim African history and culture, come out of a European cultural paradigm, reclaim an African-centered cultural paradigm, because every ethnic group in America, for the most part, they have their history and culture intact. And they use it to fight for scarce wealth, power, and resources. They're not fighting for acceptance for the most part. They're not fighting for integration for the most part. They're fighting 
for scarce wealth power resources and to control the economics in their own community, control the school system on the lands, on the land, on the businesses, the radio stations, the TV stations, control the politics, control the police, control media in their own communities. This is what every every other ethnic group is doing, and this is what we should do as well. So Jason Johnson goes on to say, on Tuesday night, James K. Knowles, the inept white splaining cop cop cutter coddling mike brown denigrating mayor of ferguson missouri was reelected. he beat out ella jones an african-american woman and member of the city council by fewer than 500 votes okay this is just a few weeks after tashara jones the city treasurer lost her bid to be st louis mayor by a mere 888 votes okay now we talked about tashara jones on the show before okay i don't know if you saw that i don't know if you uh, heard that um, we dealt with that, uh, and we have seven, over 700 podcasted episodes of our shows at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Just go to the homepage of our website, and we have the information there. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com says listen to podcasts of the Michael M. Hotep show. You can also register for the live webinar we're doing. As well, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school, okay? Which starts tomorrow, which starts Thursday, April 6, 2017, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's, it's eight hours. It's in four four consecutive uh, Thursdays at the same time. All right, so with uh, Tashara Jones, there was an article from the com also about this sister, okay? Name of this article was Black Male Ego Sinks Black Woman. Uh, sinks black woman magic in St. Louis election to shower Jones loses mayor's race by 888 votes. Now this article was from uh, March 8th, earlier this month, March 8th, 2017, also written by Jason Johnson, black male ego sinks woman sinks, sinks black woman magic in St. Louis election to shower Jones loses mayor's race by 888 votes. Okay. Now both Ferguson and St. Louis are in Missouri. Now, we're going to post a link to that article here on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, okay? So very briefly, in this article, here's what happened from the root.com, right? Um, you had five African Americans who ran for mayor in St. Louis, okay? All five lost. Who won? A white woman. Five African Americans running. Split the African-American vote and a white woman won won the mayorship in St. Louis. Now, St. Louis has never had a female mayor. And the top two candidates were Lida Krusen, K-R-E-W-S-O-N, a 64-year-old white alderman with the endorsement of the problematic problematic St. Louis Police Department. And Tashara Jones, a 44-year-old African-American incumbent city treasurer, active with Black Lives Matter since the Ferguson uprising. She was active with the Black Lives Matter movement since the Ferguson uprising. In a city that is majority African American, listen to this. Now this this is what I said. What, what's, what, we can say what's wrong with black people, not just in Ferguson, but in St. Louis. What's wrong with black people in St. Louis? Okay. Some cases you can say what's wrong with black people in America. But this is dealing with St. Louis. Two cases in St. Louis. I mean, it's two cases in Missouri. What's wrong with black people in Missouri? Tashara Jones was a 44-year-old African-American incumbent city treasurer, 
active with the Black Lives Matter movement since the Ferguson uprising. Now, in a city that is majority African-American, somehow Tashara Jones lost to this 64-year-old white woman who's an alderman by 888 votes. How the hell is that possible? 888 votes. Okay, she got 30.4% of the vote to Shara Jones to um, Lita Krusen's 32% of the votes. Now, less than, uh, um, and that, that averaged out to less than a city block, okay? Her loss shines the light on how sexism, racism, and incompetence by African-American political leadership continue to stymie African-American progress even in this age of resistance. Now, Tashara Jones, like Marilyn Mosby in, in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, who is uh, Baltimore state's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, and Nina Turner, who was um, state, a state senator, and you see her sometimes on MSNBC, and she was a Bernie Sanders supporter, uh, former state senator uh, Nina Turner uh, in, in, in uh, Ohio, and she was, she was from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, these two incidents... Uh, along with Tashara Jones, are part of a vanguard of African-American activist politicians who have arisen in the last several years to challenge the racial and gender status quo of major cities in America. St. Louis, despite being a majority African-American city, has remained primarily in the hands of the white minority because whites have crossed party lines to coalesce around whatever white candidate is running for mayor. And city districts have been gerrymandered to diffuse African-American political power, okay? So this deals with maintaining power. The gerrymandering redoes the districts. It redraws the districts, the gerrymandering. The gerrymandering comes from the state legislature. When it comes time to redraw the districts, whichever party has the majority redraws the districts. This is why you can't just vote for city council and mayor. You also have to vote for the state legislature as well. Okay? In the hands of, uh, uh, so, so um, several, uh, several years to, to see. Uh, okay, so the, the political power in St. Louis has remained primarily in the hands of the white minority because whites have crossed party lines to coalesce around whatever white candidate is running for mayor. So it doesn't matter whether they're Democrat or Republican, Europeans, Europeans coalesce around white supremacy and whiteness. They said, damn the party. They coalesced around white supremacy and whiteness. And, and the city districts have been gerrymandered to diffuse African-American political power. Opportunities for African-American political advancement are few and far between, and this year's mayoral race was one, of, was one of those chances. When Tashara Jones, whose prominence as St. Louis City Treasurer skyrocketed because of her outspoken activism post-Ferguson, Missouri, post-Michael Brown, she jumped into the race, conventional wisdom said, that the top four African-American candidates would cancel one another out, allowing uh, Cruson, the white woman, to win. As Tashara Jones gained in the polls, especially after uh, eithering uh, the St. Louis uh, Post-Dispatch for systematic racism, 
And once she got the powerful endorsement of former Missouri Secretary of State Jason Kander, one of the other black candidates, all of the men needed to go. One of the uh, one uh, one of the other black candidates, uh, all of the men needed to go. So there were four African there were four other African American candidates, all men. They stayed in the race. I guess they thought they were better than this sister. Now it was the only chance for St. Louis St. Louis uh, African American residents to finally get progressive representation, and it did not happen. Now, Tashara Jones said in an interview with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch after the election, she said, quote, I'm going to be honest. The men decided to stay in this race because of their ego. And where and where are we now? We still have the status quo candidate that's going to be in that office for the next four years. End quote. What's wrong with black people in, in, in Missouri? What's wrong with African-Americans in Missouri? Makes no sense. Now, the other main black candidates, Alderman Jeffrey Boyd, who received 2.7 percent of the vote, Alderman Antonio French, who received 15.8 percent of the vote, who shot to national stardom as one of the main must follows on Twitter during Ferguson, uh, during Ferguson, Missouri, the uprising in Ferguson in 2014. I saw numerous interviews with Antonio French. He should have dropped out of the race. And finally, Lewis Reed, president of the uh, board of aldermen, uh, uh, he got 18.3% of the vote, okay? Now, uh, let me see. You had uh, to, to – okay. I think uh, maybe it was four African-Americans in total, okay? There were three African-American men. Um, so – so you had uh, Lewis Reed, president of the Board of Aldermen, who had lost the mayor's race in 2014 by almost 10 percent. Uh, and uh, these people needed to think of the collective good instead of their own political egos. Had just one of these men dropped out of the race, had just one of these men done the right thing and dropped out of the race, St. Louis would likely have elected its first African-American woman as mayor. Yet they stayed in the race. She lost by 888 votes. She lost by 888 votes to Shara Jones. So to Shara Jones told the root.com, she said, quote, I'm really disappointed that the ego, patriarchy and sexism won the day yesterday, end quote. Quote, when all the black candidates met before filing close, before before it's before the deadline to file that you're running for mayor. Right. When all the black candidates met before filing close. Only the black women decided to work together and support each other. Ain't this? Let me repeat this. Read read this article from theroot.com. Okay, this is from Jason Jones, Jason Johnson, Doctor Jason Johnson. He's a political scientist. He is the political editor for theroot.com. This article is from March eighth, two thousand seventeen. It ties right into what just happened yesterday in Ferguson, Missouri, with an African-American candidate who's on the city council lost by less than 500 votes to the to the sitting to the to the incumbent mayor, James Knowles, the third, that all these black people, all these black people were complaining about. During the rebellion and after Michael Brown got shot. It makes no sense whatsoever. What's wrong with black people in Missouri? 
Now, I know there's some conscious black people in Missouri. I know this has some good sense, but they're few and far between. Sure as hell ain't enough of them. Okay, so the name of this article here, once again, Black Male Ego Sinks Black Woman Magic in St. Louis Election. This is from TheRoot.com, R-O-O-T, R-O-O-T. The black, black Male Ego Sinks Black Woman Magic in St. Louis. Tashara Jones loses mayor's race by 888 votes. Okay, so what Tashara Jones said was that when it came time for the filing deadline, she said, quote, when all the black candidates met before filing closed, before the filing deadline closed to state that you're running for mayor, only the black women decided to work together and support each other. The men, because of their ego and sexism and patriarchy, didn't want to work together and let this white woman become mayor. When we when when will we come together for the common good? This is what Tashara Jones said. When will we come together for the common good? Even if all the men in the race got together and decided to go with one male candidate, we would have we would we would have had a much different outcome. End quote. This is why the foundation with the pyramid principle, and this is something that I deal with in the live webinar we're going to do start tomorrow night, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. This is why you deal with the pyramid principle, and the foundation is African history and culture. Now, Dr. Claude Anderson is one of my teachers. He says the foundation is economics. No, the foundation is not economics. He talks about the five-story building. I say there's a six-story building. Before economics, you have to have the history and culture intact. It's the history and culture that teaches you that the only way you're going to survive is through self-reliance. Everybody else's history and culture teaches them this. It teaches them what to do with the money. It teaches them how to make the money. It gives them their values, interests, and principles. It teaches them about political empowerment and working together to gain political empowerment. That's the foundation, African history and culture, Okay. Now, for those watching on Facebook, how's everybody doing on Facebook? How's everybody doing on YouTube as well? Okay. Um, Facebook Live. Now, people watching on Facebook Live, how many of you all have registered for the live webinar that we're doing starting tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow evening, uh, Thursday, April 7th, 2017? It's 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade what they didn't teach you in school, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. How many of you all have registered for it? We just posted the link here. You can register for it. It's an eight-hour course broken up in the uh, four two-hour sessions, four uh, consecutive Thursdays, four consecutive Thursdays. It's only $40 for the entire course. The course is recorded online also. It's live, and you can ask questions through the live chat. But it's recorded, so you can go back and watch it over and over and over again as well, okay? And then also at the end of the course, you're going to get um, a free uh, – you're going to get uh, my DVD presentation. We're going to mail that to you. It's four and a half hours, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School. Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School, okay? You're going to get that also. Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School, Okay? You'll get that as well. All right. So. um, 
Okay, so you have this taking place at. So we've just posted just posted the information on the thread. You can register there. You can also go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register there as well, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay. All right. So you have mayoral elections that are coming up um, November of next year, right? And we can't afford to let something like this happen in other cities. This just makes absolutely no sense. We cannot afford to let something like this happen in other cities. So when we go back to this article here from the root.com dealing with Tashara Jones, she said that, um, Um, Quote, I'm really disappointed that the ego, patriarchy, and sexism won the day yesterday. When all the black candidates met before filing filing clothes, only the black women decided to work together and support each other. When will we come together for the common good? Even if all the men in the race got together and decided to go with one male candidate, we would have had a much different outcome. Now, uh, quote unquote. Now, to be fair, there is plenty of blame to go around for this debacle in Satan in St. Louis, and much of it is self. Once much of it comes from self-imposed wounds, similar to the poor turnout in the first post-riot Ferguson elections. There was a six percent increase in uh, mayoral primary voters between the 2013 and 2017 elections. Six percent increase. But it was still only 28 percent of eligible eligible voters in the city. So in the city of St. Louis, earlier this month, only 28 percent of eligible voters actually voted. Now, there are one, uh, 196,150 registered voters in St. Louis, but only 55,000 turned out. So this makes Tashara Jones 888 uh, vote loss. Uh, it makes that margin all the more disturbing. 196,150 people registered to vote in St. Louis. Only 55,000 voted in African Americans make up the majority of the population of St. Louis. See, we can talk about white supremacy and racism, and it has its place. But what are you doing to fight against white supremacy and racism? When 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 you have the ability to vote these jokers out of office and you don't do it, it tells them you're not serious. It tells them all your protesting is not serious. Protesting, calling city hall, calling the mayor, standing standing out in the street, laying in the street, laying on the tarmac at the airport. It tells them you're not serious if you don't go to the voter booth and vote their asses out of office. When they see a massive uprising like this politically and they get fired. It scares the hell out of them because the last thing they want to happen is for them to lose their political office, get fired by the masses of people, especially if it's a landslide defeat. That's humiliating for them because they still have to live in that city. Sometimes they leave the city because it's so humiliating. Now, Tashara Jones' loss is symptomatic of a larger problem in the African-American community when it comes to navigating race and gender in state and municipal politics. All too often, while African-American male politicians want to maintain old lines of succession, patriarchy, and Democratic Party politics, African-American women are locked out 
and white voters always willing to put race ahead of gender stay winning. Let me repeat this. Like I said, they they Europeans coalesce around whiteness and white supremacy. They cross party lines to coalesce around whiteness and white supremacy. This is what just happened in St. Louis, Missouri. Jason, Dr. Jason Johnson, political editor for the root.com and a political science. He's a political science professor. Also, he said all too often while African-American male politicians want to maintain old lines of succession, patriarchy and democratic party Democratic Party politics, black women are locked out and white voters always willing to put race ahead of gender stay winning. That's why 96 percent of African-American women rallied behind Hillary Clinton, while 14 percent of African-American men voted for Donald Trump. Now, they didn't have their asses kicked for the vote for Donald Trump. Explain to me why the hell did you vote for Donald Trump? What do you think was going to happen? Donald Trump told you what he was going to do. He told you he was for law and order. He told you he was for privatized prisons. Okay. He, he, he told you he, he, he didn't talk about implicit bias and policing. Okay. He didn't like Black Lives Matter. He told you what he was going to do. So, why, so why'd you vote for him? He did not have a plan to benefit African Americans. That little 10 point punk ass program plan he had is ridiculous. I read it. We dealt with it here on this show. It's absolutely ridiculous. The the agenda from the Congressional Black Caucus, what we have to lose, that's fantastic. Download that from Roland Martin's website, RolandSMartin.com. RolandSMartin.com. It's called We Have a Lot to Lose. We Have a Lot to Lose. Okay? Download that. We have a lot to lose. It's 125 pages. I took it to the printer and got it printed up, got it wirebound. We're going to talk about that some more tomorrow morning on um, on um, um, when I guest host on Steve Hood's radio show on 19 a.m. the Superstation. That's why I had to get to bed soon because I had to be up at 5 a.m. Okay, and do Steve's show. All right, so. Uh, this 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 what happened in St. Louis and then happened in Ferguson, Missouri is just is just inexcusable. It's just ridiculous. And we can't allow this stuff to keep happening like this. I mean, we, we have to be able to learn from mistakes. OK, we have to be able to learn from mistakes. All right. OK, now uh, I'm trying to send out this newsletter also. Give me a minute here. We're going to go to some comments here on Facebook. We're going to get back to what just happened in Ferguson, Missouri. Ferguson, Missouri was stupid. And and if you and if if you know in African American community we deal with we deal with male patriarchy also, which is problematic. That's not from African people. That's from Europeans. We need to give it back to them. Let them deal with that. Okay. Um. Because that that is a that is a big problem. All right, so uh, on Facebook here, Michael Long said fourteen percent think they are white or not like the rest of them. Shaking my head, I work with some of them. Terry Toussaint said laziness is an epidemic that still plagues our community. Procrastination is also an element that has not diminished. Truth be told, a few are still carrying the weight of many. Uh, Peggy Williams, Peggy Williams Mills said, 
I would hate to think that black men hate black women also. Uh, Samuel Blake said, I'm with you 100% that black hate themselves. Well, some of them, not all of them. But some of them do hate themselves. This is why a lot of them date outside their race exclusively. This is why. Let's let's tell the truth. This is why a lot of them date outside their race. This is why a lot of African-American men were bombarded with white supremacy and racism in the media. European images of um, of beauty are held up as the standard. Okay? So uh, many of us acquiesce to that. All right, now. Uh, export. Uh, okay, so let's get this other comment. Uh, Mia Davidson said, We are the only race that seek inclusion. Why can't we be like other races, take care of us, uh, and understand we can't and won't be white? Because we have to reclaim our minds. Stephen Biko said, The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed, okay? This is what Stephen Biko said, one of our great South African freedom fighters. And he was correct. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. So we have to take our minds back, all right? Extremely important. We have to take our minds back. Uh, okay, so. All right, so let's. Let's go back to this article here about Ferguson, Missouri. Okay, so um, so the the article about Ferguson, Missouri is called Ferguson, Missouri stays in the sunken place, reelects failed mayor. Ferguson, Missouri stays in the sunken place, reelects failed failed mayor. Right. So on Tuesday night, yesterday, James Knowles the third, okay, who people complained about as mayor Ferguson won the mayoral election again, won re-election by less than 500 votes. He beat out uh, an African-American woman named Ella Jones, who was a member of the city council of Ferguson, Missouri. Now, these results are disgraceful, inexcusable, and ultimately frightening, Dr. Jason Johnson says in his article. Uh, The entire black population of Metro St. Louis is in the sunken place, and I don't think even Rod of... of, uh, I don't... uh, Okay, I don't think anybody can get them out. Now, this is becoming a pattern, another symbolic election in the St. Louis metro area, another city where the majority of the uh, population is African-American, another historic mayor's race where uh, the first African-American woman could have been elected to that office, another stunning example of African-American voters failing to muster even a, a modicum uh, M-O-D-I-C-U-M, modicum of self-respect and civic engagement to take control of their own destiny. When you dig into the numbers on Tuesday night's Ferguson election, it's even more disgusting. Now, James Knowles, uh, who's a 37-year-old white male who's been in office for the last seven years, has now won three elections for mayor of Ferguson and two elections since the unrest and protests in the fall of 2014 over the killing of Michael Brown. There are some, there are more than 24,000 registered voters in Ferguson, Missouri. Okay. Yeah. 24,000 registered voters. I forgot the exact population of Ferguson. I have to look it up. And the city's population is more than 70% African-American. Ella Jones, 
who was elected to the city council in 2015, running on a platform of forcing local police to keep body cameras on at all times, demographically and statistically should have won this election uh, uh, going away. And yet she she lost by 500 votes. She got 1,467 votes. James Knowles III got 1,889 votes. Now, with 100%, 100% of precincts voting, a total of 3,356 people voted. There are no reports of massive voter intimidation, fraud, or ballot stealing. When you, when you have white supremacy and controlling the minds of people, and a lot of them are staying high all day, you don't have to worry about voter intimidation. The police in Ferguson either don't know, don't show, or don't care about who runs their city. The people, I'm sorry, the people in Ferguson, Missouri, either don't know, don't show, or don't care about who runs their city. What's worse is that given the disproportionate number of African-American voters in Ferguson, Missouri, even if every white person voted for James Knowles, he still probably got about 40% of the black vote in order to win. Even if every white person voted for James Knowles, he still probably got about 40% of the black vote in order to win. Um, According to Maria Chappelle Nadal, who's a Democratic state senator whose district encompasses the city of Ferguson, Missouri, she said, quote, well, the black person won't be any different than a white person in office, so why should I care, end quote. She said this is the mentality of many of the African-American voters in Ferguson, Missouri. This is what happens when your history and culture is not intact. You just accept white supremacy. You had the power to vote this jackass out of office, and you sat at home. So what, what do we say now about Ferguson, Missouri? What do, what do we, should we go down there and protest? Should, I mean, the, the people who stayed at home just spit in the face of African-Americans and other people who came from around the country down there to help them protest, who brought attention to Michael Brown being shot and killed. If you don't have enough self-respect to get up off your black ass and go vote these jokers out of office who you claim are doing you harm, if you don't have enough respect to do it for yourself, then do it for your children and your children's future. If you don't have enough respect to do it for your children and your children's future, you should stop having children. Because how are they going to grow up and respect you and you won't even fight for them? That doesn't even make any sense. This is, this is brain damage. These are brain damaged Negroes. These are brain damaged Negroes. Now, while uh, Maria Chappelle Nadal Democratic state senator whose district encompasses Ferguson, Missouri, while she did not endorse anyone in the Ferguson mayor's race, she says that Knowles, uh, Mayor Knowles' victory boils down to local constituent service, local constituent service. She said, quote, yeah, people didn't like how he handled Ferguson, but he helped get that 100-year-old tree moved from their backyard or got them a waiver to build something on their house, end quote. Now, she went on to say she argued that despite the oppressive violence and white supremacy, in his words, not mine, despite she, uh, Chappelle Nadal argues that despite the oppressive violence and white supremacy that is apparent in Ferguson, Missouri, the African-American community needs to come up with a better 
a better candidate strategy. Poverty, environmental justice, and a living wage need to be integrated into messaging about police reform. I agree with that. Okay? She, she said, quote, you can't just be a pretty face. You have to inspire people. You have to be a hustler. Okay? She, she said this in reflecting on not just Ella Jones' loss in Ferguson, but also the primary loss by Tashara Jones. Okay? But my, my thing is, yeah, you got to galvanize people. These are the people should have enough respect for themselves to realize it's in their best interest to vote this joker out of office, even if the person does not inspire them like Malcolm X. You you should have enough sense to realize we got to get this person out of office. Look at the person's platform. Compare this to the, the to the incumbent. Okay. Everybody does not have the electrifying personality like Dr. King. Everybody does not have an electrifying personality like President Barack Obama. But one thing you should look at is the policies they are proposing and realize we got to get this jackass out of office. Seriously. Now, there is some context to Chappelle Nadal's assessment. The ingredients are all the ingredients are all there. Years of collusion between white Democrats and Republicans, gerrymandering, voter suppression, and inept African-American leadership have baked a humble pie of passive black voters in and around St. Louis. Ferguson, in particular, had little history of protests before Mike Brown's death. All this oppression they were dealing with in Ferguson, Missouri, and they had very little history of protests before Mike Brown's death. Okay, that doesn't even make sense. That doesn't even make sense. All right. All right. So on YouTube, uh, Melvin Clayton said, going to have to catch the uh, recording. Let me see if I can bring that up. Going to have to catch the re- recording. Okay, brother, uh, Minister Asar Winkler. Peace, good brother. How you doing? Hotel Minister Asar. George Montgomery, how you doing? You all right, brothers? Okay. And this has been recorded on our YouTube channel. Uh, MJ Rob 1914 You can go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com Click on uh, the banner For the YouTube channel We have over 600 YouTube videos there And we're broadcasting on Facebook Live Our Facebook fan page The African History Network also Tercia uh, Artist, how you doing? Okay uh, Facebook fan page We have 970,000 followers on our Facebook fan page The African History Network all right, so check out check out these two articles because this is sickening. Now we we see white supremacy and racism exists, but you can't keep complaining about white supremacy and racism and don't fight back against it. I'm sorry, you can't. So you know I'm at the point I don't want to hear nothing else about Negroes in, in Ferguson, Missouri. I'm sorry, you don't come out and vote this guy out of office that you've been complaining about. That I know of at least since Michael Brown was killed You just made yourself The laughing stock of America You just made yourself The laughing stock of America Makes no sense whatsoever What's wrong with black people in Missouri Now in Detroit And those in Detroit How you doing Sheldon on YouTube Now in Detroit We have a mayoral race coming up uh, November 8th of 2018 The incumbent white mayor Mike Duggan Has done very little for the neighborhoods 
done a whole lot for white businessmen, a whole lot for uh, Mike Illich, who just passed, owner of the Detroit Tigers, owner of Little Caesars Pizza, order, owner of Hockey Town, order, owner of the Red Wings. They're building a new stadium for, for the Illich family. You got a soccer team coming that black people don't own. Detroit Pistons are coming back to Detroit. Tom Gorsuch, white man, owns the Pistons, just bought a $100 million house. He's getting tax breaks to build a stadium on the backs of taxpayers in the city of Detroit. And Detroit is made up of 80% African-Americans, but we get only about 3% of the city contracts. White people are getting $2 billion in city contracts. African-Americans get about 3% of that. And we're 80% of the, of the population in Detroit. White people are getting about 95% of the city contracts. We're 80% of the population. Now, you have about 20-some-odd people, I think, running for mayor in the city of Detroit. A lot of them African-American. You got one white male incumbent. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We cannot let in Detroit happen what just happened in St. Louis, where you, where you had people's egos that stood in the way of them getting out of the race and coalescing around one African-American candidate, one qualified African-American candidate who had the best plan and best chance to win, and you let a white woman become mayor. If, 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 and see, what white people will do, they'll get some punk-ass Negroes and funnel some money to them and get them to run against other stronger African-American candidates to split the African-American vote and to keep the white incumbent in office. This is the game they play. We have to be smarter than this. You can't look at this over and over again. Don't learn something from it. I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. You can't look at this over and over again and don't learn something from it. Because people will start once see, we can we can read Dr. Francis Cress Wilson, the ISIS papers. We can read Dr. Claude Anderson. We can have white supremacy uh, conferences, which to me is a waste of time. I, 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 the sister here in Detroit said we need to have a conference on white supremacy. I said, no, we need to have a conference on what our plan is to fight against white supremacy, not have a conference on white supremacy. We should have a conference about what our plan is to fight against white supremacy so that we can prosper. The focus has to be on us, not on them. Now, if, if these examples keep happening and we don't learn something from it, we might as well hang it up. It makes no sense. And people don't respect you. People will not respect you when they realize they can just come in your community and treat you like N-words and you just take it. So once again, article about Ferguson, Missouri. Ferguson, Missouri stays in the sunken place. Re-elects failed mayor, Dr. Jason Johnson, uh, theroot.com, April 5th, 2017. And then you have the article... Uh, also from the root.com that he that he wrote from March 8, 2017. We talked about it here on our show. Black male ego sinks black woman magic in St. Louis election. Tashara Jones loses mayor's race by 888 votes. Absolute shame. Makes 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 no sense whatsoever. OK, makes no sense whatsoever. All right. Um
Okay, look, we got to take a quick break. Um, I'm trying to send this email right quick. Um, Here's a clip from, um, let me see something. We're doing a uh, live webinar um, all evening, 7 p.m. Uh, Anthony Sasser said, I'd like to deal with Jill Stein. Jill Stein was a plant. December 2015, when Lieutenant General Michael Flynn was in Russia at the 10th anniversary celebration for Russia Today TV and he was sitting at Vladimir Putin's table, okay? Who else was sitting at that table? Jill Stein. Jill Stein was sitting at that table also. That's the white woman with the gray hair you see in, in, in the, in the uh, video, in, in the picture. That was Jill Stein. What was Jill Stein doing there? We talked about this on the show. Go back and listen to the archives. It's about, I think it was February sometime. We talked about this on the show. What was Jill Stein doing in Russia? Who paid for her to go to Russia? Who paid for her to fly back? Who paid for her hotel? What's up with that? We still can't find out. There was just an article uh, uh, in February about that. Uh, RawStory.com had an article in February because uh, Rachel Maddow uh, brought it up on uh, the Rachel Maddow show, MSNBC. Okay? Who who paid for that? All right? Okay, um... We posted it. We're going to post the information again. You can register for the live webinar we're doing when we come back. Uh, we're going to talk about the live webinar. Uh, it's taking place um, tomorrow, it's taking place Thursday, April 6th, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And um, we have a platform. It's the African History Network School. We have a platform live international webinar. You can tune in from around the world uh, also. And... Uh, you can tune in from around the world as well, okay? Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes here. Let's go to this clip. Let's go to this clip. Uh, the dollar bill, the Washington Monument, and the Library of Congress are all dripping with ancient African symbols. Did you know this? That's according to historian Anthony Browder, who has spent 30 years reaffirming the connection between the history and influence of Africa to modern times. He is author of several books, including Egypt on the Potomac, and I want to welcome him here. How are you? I'm great. Awesome. And I just want to also say our panelists are still with us. I'm glad they hung around. Kim Keenan, Ross Newman, and Drew Elon. So let's talk about Egypt on the Potomac. I think that that is an amazing um, concept, and you um, you you call yourself a tell me your title memory a, recovery specialist a memory recovery nice. specialist how did you come up with that well when you consider our history and the fact that our history has been erased <laughs> our past has been erased and the erasure has been forgotten we don't know and we don't know that we don't know mm -hmm. so my role as a memory recovery specialist is to dig into our history to uncover those things that we weren't supposed to know and then reveal them to people with the greatest need to know this information. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so begin to tell me because I don't know this information and I sure. do want to know about it. So there are all of these monuments here in the capital exactly. that have all of the influence of Africa, of Egypt. Tell me about, and let's begin, like, for example, with the Lincoln Memorial. Well, Lincoln Memorial 
is a <coughs> temple that was built in honor of Abraham Lincoln. The statue inside of the Lincoln Memorial uh, was crafted by a sculptor by the name of Daniel Chester French, who had traveled to Egypt before and seen the monument of Ramesses II at Abu Simba, which has four images of the king sitting in his chair. He wanted to replicate that in America. Voila, the Lincoln Memorial. Okay, so at the Lincoln Memorial, is that information there? For people to read, to know. That kind of seems like a stupid question. I'm all, I'm all like, no. yeah, it's right there in a big no. spot. I refer to it as a secret hidden in plain sight. Washington, D.C. is the city of secrets. There are secrets in the White House, the Capitol, the FBI, the CIA, NSA. But the greatest secrets in the capital, the greatest nation on earth, have literally been hidden in plain sight. What better way to hide a secret? and put it in the open where everybody can see it. And all you need to do is to separate people from their ability to remember what those symbols were. Mm -hmm. That's my job, to remind people. That's amazing. Tell us about the Capitol building. Oh, the Capitol building. Well, the, the, the Capitol building sits on Capitol Hill, but right, in, right behind the Capitol building is the Library of Congress, the greatest repository of history and, and knowledge in the world. So the Library of Congress is the American equivalent of the Library of Alexandria where the repository of the ancient wisdom was made accessible to the governors of that land so that they can control the people and the resources of the land. Okay, the Washington Monument. The Washington Monument. The Washington Monument is uh, what the Greeks referred to as an obelisk, uh, but it is actually an ancient Egyptian symbol known as a Tekken. That symbol is the oldest symbol of resurrection known to man. It came to symbolize the founding father of ancient Kemet, the original name for the country the Greeks renamed Egypt. So the king, Asar, was murdered and then later resurrected. That symbol represents the resurrection of this African man. It is a 6,000-year-old symbol of resurrection. So why is, it, why is it here in D.C.? Why that symbol? Well, uh, what you'll notice is that you'll see similar obelisks or techno all around the world. Originally, there were 1,200 in ancient Kemet, or Egypt. Today, there's only seven. There's more in Rome right now. There's a Tekken in front of the Vatican. There's a Tekken behind Central Park in New York City. There's a Tekken on the banks of the Thames River in London. There's a Tekken in the center of the Plaza de la Concorde in Paris. So these are all African symbols that represent symbolically, metaphorically, the resurrection of the founding father of ancient Kemet. Mm -hmm. Drew, you told me that your son has been on this tour and you've been on this tour. And so tell me what that experience was like. So for me, um, uh, actually our family went, me, my husband, and our son, and we took um, Howard University's early learning program. It was a fundraiser. Um, but one of the things that was for us and for our son was just he, he was amazed. And he, you know, I like when you say you're a memory recovery specialist. So for him, Everywhere we go, he was identified Tekken and was able to recall ancient uh, commit. Like he really, literally, he was um, engrossed in that. And I think Meridian Park. Meridian Hill Park. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the Meridian yeah. Park and when you stand in that space and what you see? I know and it's probably kind of hard. The, yeah, and also to visualize the money because I also yeah, want the money. <laughs> Sorry, but the <laughs> Meridian Park was really phenomenal when you yeah. stand in the middle of that. Sure. Well. Um, Meridian Hill Park sits on the D.C. Meridian, which is 16th Street. And 16th Street is 
what's considered to be a spiritual corridor of Washington, D.C. We have the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. We have behind the White House, the Washington Monument was originally supposed to be positioned, and on the other side of that was the uh, Jefferson Memorial. So these structures are aligned to the Washington Meridian, which symbolizes a spiritual corridor. So on the seven miles of 16th Street, which extends from St. John's Church in front of the White House to its termination point at Eastern Avenue, you have over 55 churches wow. and yes. religious wow. institutions. Wow. It is a spiritual corridor. Wow. A so, spiritual corridor. A spiritual corridor. Uh, one of the names of 16th Street was the Avenue of the Churches or God's Boulevard yeah. because of that significance. Because of that. Now tell us about the symbol, the money symbol. Symbols on the dollar bill. All right. Today is Friday the 13th. Uh, <laughs> today was some people consider to be unlucky. Uh, psychologists have coined the phrase triskaidekaphobia, which is the unfounded fear of the number 13. Mm -hmm. Well, if 13 is an unlucky number, then why is the number 13 repeated 13 times on the dollar bill? On the reverse of the Great Seal, you have a pyramid with 13 courses of stone. Mm -hmm. On the front of the Great Seal, you have an eagle holding an olive branch with 13 leaves and 13 olives. Mm -hmm. In the other claw, he holds 13 arrows. On his chest is a shield with 13 stripes. In his mouth is a banner with the words E Pluribus Unum, comprised of 13 letters. And above his head is a cluster of 13 stars. So 13 is not a non-lucky number, it relates back to the founding father of ancient Kemet, Asar, whose body was cut into 14 pieces, but his wife only found 13. So 13 symbolizes the remembering of the body of Asar, which is why he had 13 courses of stone on the pyramid, which symbolizes the body of the United States, 13 colonies coming together, and the right. 14th part is encased in a square with an eye. Uh, on top of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. Okay, blow my mind. With all of this information, and yeah. Can I give an unsolicited okay. shout out oh, real quick, quick for Kathy Hughes and Alfred Ligon and Roland Martin for having this particular show? Because oh, yeah. you don't I'm get this kind of, this listen, knowledge is not dropping. And, no and, and right, please right. tell everybody where they can find you, yeah. how they can take the tour, and all the information they need yeah. to get in touch. They can go to our website, which is www.ikg-info.com. Dot com. Simple and easy, we're there. Okay, and is there a phone number or just go to the website? Uh, they can go to the website and okay. get all the contact info. Um, that's just amazing, and especially during Black History Month. I mean, exactly. this is if you ever want to like go ahead and learn this information, exactly. this would be the perfect time. But any time during the year is great. It's Egypt on the Potomac, and Anthony Browder is the author. All right, so that's my man, Tony Browder. That was an interview from uh, News One Now with Roland Martin. That's like two years ago. I think that was Mo Ivory sitting in for Roland Martin. Um, excellent, excellent interview. Get his book, Egypt on the Potomac. Egypt on the Potomac. And um, if you're, uh, and you can um, uh, Google him to get his actual website. Um, but you can go on his tour. Uh, he does a tour. Uh, then with Egypt on the Potomac, it takes you around Washington, D.C. and shows you the African presence all around Washington, D.C. because the layout of Washington, D.C. is based upon ancient African principles. And we know Benjamin Banneker was a surveyor who did the layout of Washington, D.C. Okay? So that is the African genius that is uh, our history. All right? Okay. Um all right, so coming up, um, and I'm looking at a couple screens here. All right, so coming up Thursday, uh, April 6th, Thursday, April 6th, we're doing a live webinar, uh, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School, 
understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Okay. So this is a uh, eight hour uh, online course altogether. It's uh, broken up into it's uh, four consecutive Thursdays, two hours each. Right. So when we deal with the transatlantic slave trade, my approach to it is different than some people's. We don't deal with it episodically. We don't deal with it as an episode in history. Okay. We deal with it chronologically. All right. And first, uh, first of all, we have to understand that our history in this country that we call the United States of America did not start in 1619 in slavery, August 20th, 1619, Jamestown, Virginia. It didn't start in the 1520s with the Spanish taking Africans out of Africa, out of the West Coast uh, in, of Africa, and taking them into the territory where today call South Carolina. African people have been in this land we call the United States of America going back at least 51,700 years, going back at least 51,700 years, okay? The Khoisan have the oldest DNA on the planet. Khoisan come from Southern Africa. Uh, they are um, the ancestors to the Ainu and the Twa. And if you read the, the book, uh, The First Americans Were Africans, documented evidence by Dr. David M. Hotep. The First Americans Were Africans, uh, documented evidence by Dr. David M. Hotep. He deals with uh, the African presence in this country going back at least 51,700 years ago. All right. This is before Native Americans came into existence. This is before Europeans came to this land. So when I deal with the transatlantic slave trade, we deal with it chronologically. And then you're going to have um, Asians who come to this land around 3000 B.C. They intermix with the Africans who are already here. And you're going to have Africans from ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt, who are here as well. They intermix with the Africans who are already here, and their offspring are who we call Native Americans. Their offspring are who we call Native Americans, okay? So um, that's where we start, and then we deal with what happened to our history, okay? Malcolm X talks about, who are you? Don't tell me Negro. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you, and what did you have? What language did you speak? What was your name? It couldn't have been Smith or Jones or Bunch or, or Powell. That wasn't your name. We didn't have those type of names where you and I came from. He said, what was your name? And why don't you now know what your name was then? Where did it go? Who took it? What happened to it? What happened to your history? What happened to your land? You know, what happened to your culture? Who took your culture? What method did the man use to take your culture away from you? He talks about, he asked, what happened to you? to make you as dumb as you are right now. So the is broken up into eight hours and four, uh, four installments, four, uh, four classes, because we deal with a wide range of history and we deal with a chronology leading up to the transatlantic slave trade and events that lead up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. Historical events don't take place in a vacuum. They are a sequence of other historical events that take place, uh, and uh, there's a domino effect that lead to other historical leads to larger events happening. So we deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors, because you can't start talking about the transatlantic slave trade till you talk about the Moors. People who don't want to talk about the Moors and the Africans known as the Moors going into Europe taking the ancient Egyptian mystery system, taking the teachings of the ancient Egyptian mystery system into Europe 
teaching Europeans and the Knights Templar coming about in 1118 AD, the poor Knights of Christ during the Second Crusades, the Knights Templar, who become very powerful, and then they're disbanded around uh, 1310, 1314 on, on October 13th, which was a Friday, Friday the 13th. This is one of the reasons why people fear Friday the 13th, because it was said to be the day that the knowledge stopped. It was said to be the day that the knowledge stopped, okay? And uh, Tony Browder just talked about uh, uh, triskaidekaphobia, okay? Triskaidekaphobia is the fear of the number 13. Frigga triskaidekaphobia is the fear of Friday the 13th. Frigga or Freya, Freya, who was the wife of Odin, and Friday is named after Freya or Frigga or, or Freya. Wednesday is named after Odin. It used to be called Wooden's Day. So we're going to deal with all this history, and we're going to deal with the chronology of it. So the Moors take these teachings from the ancient Egyptian mystery system. Uh, George G.M. James and Stolen Legacy said that the Moors were the custodians of the ancient Egyptian mystery system. Okay? And uh, they're going to take this information into Europe. And when they go in, 85 to 90% of Europeans are illiterate. You're going to have kings and queens who were uh, illiterate, who couldn't, who could neither read nor write. Um, and the Moors are going to build libraries. They're going to uh, introduce something called alchemy, which today we call chemistry. They're going to uh, introduce soap, uh, introduce alcohol. Uh, they're also now the area that they sell. They go into the Iberian Peninsula, the day known as Spain and Portugal. It wasn't called Spain and Portugal back then. OK, and you're going to have the uh, little kingdoms and you're going to have a lot of European kings living in barns. Moors are going to build castles. And once they are expelled from certain areas, these castles are going to be taken over by Europeans. But you have Moors architecture that was all throughout Europe. OK, so this is history that we have to understand. And uh the Moors lose control of the last stronghold in um, Europe, which was um, Grenada. Okay, they use they lose control of the last stronghold in Europe, which was uh, Grenada, uh, January second, fourteen ninety two. The Moors are going to set up Columbus to be able to set sail on his four voyages. He set sail August third, fourteen ninety two, on the Nina, the Penta, and the Santa Maria. The Nina, the Penta, and the Santa Maria. He lands in um, uh, what he calls San Salvador, um, October 12th, 1492. We call it the Bahamas today. This is why Columbus Day is celebrated on October 12th, because that commemorates the, the day he found the so-called new land, when he, he landed in the Bahamas. And as Columbus, on his four voyages, he, he, he uncovers uh, Cuba, he, uh, Jamaica in 1494, Haiti, Puerto Rico, Panama, Honduras. And he's going to open up the so-called New World to other European powers to come in and exploit it. And he's going to lay the foundation for slavery, racism, capitalism, the exploitation of indigenous people. Um. And you're going to have fights over these new lands that Europeans are uncovering. 
You're going to have fights over these new lands that Europeans are uncovering. So this leads to like the, the Papal Bull of 14, well, even before 1492. Yeah, the Papal Bull of 1455, where the Pope tells uh, Spain and Portugal, uh, uh, you, good Christ, you good Christian nations, stop fighting amongst yourselves. I order you to reduce the servitude all infidel people. Dr. John Henry Clark talks about this in Christopher Columbus in the African Holocaust, Slavery and the Rise of European Capitalism. Uh, which is a book that he wrote about Columbus and Columbus's voyages. You have a papal bull of of um, of uh, um, you have a treaty of Tordesillas, June seventh, fourteen ninety four. I think it was the treaty of Tordesillas, where the Pope divides the non Christian world between Spain and Portugal, and sends sends them out to conquer the non Christian world because the, the because the Portuguese were the first ones involved in the transatlantic slave trade going back to the early 1440s, about 1441, okay? In 1419, Prince Henry, the navigator of Portugal, is sending ships around the west coast of Africa. In 1441, they start picking up African slaves and taking, taking them back to Lisbon, Portugal. So the Portuguese are the first ones involved in the transatlantic slave trade, and they dominate for the first 200 years. Before, before Britain becomes dominant in the transatlantic slave trade, Portugal was dominant. The Spanish are going to quick follow quickly behind the Portuguese. Okay. And you're going to see the Portuguese and the Spanish fighting over these territories. Then you're going to see the, the Britain, Great Britain fighting over these territories. So Jamaica was uncovered by the Spanish in 1494, but falls into the hands of Great Britain in 1655. And it's going to be Queen Annie and the Jamaican Maroons who beat the hell out of the British so badly then in 1739, they forced the British into a peace treaty and forced the British to give them land. They beat them so badly. Queen Nanny, who was a con from Ghana, and her brothers, Queen Nanny and the Jamaican Maroons. Okay? So this is the type of history we're going to deal with in our live webinar, a live international webinar. You can tune in from around the world, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. And we're going to deal with a chronology of history. We'll talk about ancient Kemet. Some we'll talk about ancient Nubia or Ta-Nehisi and Abyssinia, Ethiopia. We'll talk about Ghana, Songhai, and Mali, and University of San Correa, Timbuktu, which was in Ghana and Songhai, I mean, in Mali and Songhai. We have to we have to deal with this history and deal with a chronology of history. Once again, we cannot start the teaching of the history or the learning of the history of African people. In this country, in slavery, we because we this was our land stolen from us. We were here for tens of thousands of years. There's documented evidence proving this. Now, you can read the book that the, the first Americans were Africans, documented evidence by Dr. David M. Hotel, and that's one of our sources. And, and those who follow me know I've interviewed him about ten times. You go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have uh, archive episodes of. Uh, uh, you know, interviews I've done with him that are archived. You could Google his name, Google my name, and it'll come up with interviews I've done with him, things like this. He and I have done two lectures together as well. When you deal with the Moors going into Europe, they're, they're, um, and, and, and Tony Browder talked about the Tekken, the Avalesque, right? Well, you had Tekken New, Tekken New for plural, all throughout Europe. Okay, there are about 1,200 of them throughout Europe. Now, in Egypt on the Potomac, 
which is one of one of our sources for the for the course, Egypt on the Potomac. Tony Browder said on page 17, he said there were approximately 1,200 Tekkenu built in Kemet in ancient times, but only about a dozen are found in Egypt today. Many of the Tekkenu uh, removed from Egypt are now in Istanbul, Turkey, London, England, Paris, France, Berlin, Germany, New York, New York, Rome, Italy, Vatican City, and elsewhere throughout the world. The Tekkenu are now called obelisks by their new owners, and few know their origin or that they symbolize the resurrection of the African king Asar, who the Greeks called Osiris. That's on page 17 of Egypt on the Potomac. Now, we talk about Freemasonry because the Moors are going to take into Europe what becomes the foundation of Freemasonry. Because when the Knights Templar are disbanded, uh, 1310 or 1314 on Friday the 13th, their teachings go underground. They're going to resurface later as the, as the Scottish Rites of the Freemasons, as the Rosicrucians, as these different secret societies. Then you're going to have these Europeans, these Anglos and Saxons, who are names of two groups of Germanic people who were collectively called barbarians, two groups of barbarians. They're going to come to Jamestown, Virginia in 1607, and you're you're going to have more of them who set up British colonies because these were colonies set up in the name of Great Britain to further enrich Great Britain, okay, because the British Empire is expanding, right, just like the Roman Empire was expanding until it got crushed, until the western portion of the Roman Empire got crushed in 476 AD by the Vandals and the Visigoths. So you have the British Empire expanding, okay? And they're setting up these colonies, and you're going to have 13 in total here in the U.S. You're going to have the founding fathers, who Dr. Francis Cress Wilson called the Fondling Fathers. Many of the founding fathers were Freemasons. Now, the word Mason means uh, is a combination of the words mass and son, which are Latin, and it means child of light. Now, child of light, expresses the desire to pursue light, which is a metaphor for knowledge as opposed to darkness. And the term child of light, okay, or also sons and daughters of light because we educated African women as well. This was used to first identify students who completed 42 years of study in the uh, temples of ancient Kemet where the ancient Kemetic mystery system was taught. And then you're going to have Masonic temples that are, cre- that are created in Europe and in this country, Masonic temples. And the Masonic temples, and we have one, we have a, um, a place here in Detroit down near 2nd Avenue in Cass called the Masonic Temple. And you can rent it out. This is where my graduation was held, my high school graduation at the Masonic Temple here in Detroit. Now, many Masonic temples were modeled after the temples of ancient Kemet, which were places where light or knowledge was imparted in a series of steps or degrees. Okay. So we deal with this type of information in the live webinar, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Eastern stars is another secret society. The Elks, Eastern stars, things like this, Freemasons, Prince Hall, Freemasons, etc. Okay. This is the type of information we deal with a chronology of history. 
We don't just deal with a history of African people getting their behinds whipped. Okay? No, I don't I don't do that type of stuff. So then we deal with Christopher Columbus and his four voyages and the horror he inflicted upon the indigenous people. Now, at least 70% of the people Columbus encountered on his four voyages were African people. At least 70% of the people Columbus encountered on his four voyages were African people. Okay? At least 70% of them. And the other thing that we have to understand, we have to stop lying to our children, telling them that Columbus discovered America. That's not true. Why is that not true? Because when you study his four voyages, and we show you this in the course, the online course, when you study Columbus's four voyages and where he went, he never came to the land we call the United States of America. Columbus never came to the land we call the United States of America. So why do we say he discovered America? The closest he came here was Cuba, which is 90 miles away. So once again, we have to stop lying to our children, teaching them them this nonsense, because this helps to breed the inferiority complex into our children and emboldens white supremacy. And white supremacy is a false concept that has real consequences and repercussions. Europeans are not superior. But if you are stripped of African history and culture and you are taught a false history and taught that your history starts in this country shackled and conquered and changed, you will believe that Europeans are superior and you will act accordingly. Your thoughts create feelings. Your feelings create actions and behaviors. Your actions and behaviors create results. So as Stephen Biko said, one of our great South African freedom fighters who died of his injuries at the hands of South African police in 1978. Stephen Beekle said the most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. We saw that play out in Ferguson, Missouri last night. Negroes who make up 67% of the population allow this white mayor to be reelected and beat the African-American incumbent beat the African-American challenger who was a city councilwoman. She lost by 500 votes. Just the number, just the amount of weed smokers in Ferguson, Missouri alone could have put her over the top. That's inexcusable. We saw this earlier this month, St. Louis, Missouri. Tashara Jones, who was the uh, city treasurer, lost her mayoral bid to a white 64-year-old alderman named Cruson. Cruson, she lost by 888 votes. African-Americans make up the majority population in St. Louis. This is why I asked the question at the beginning of the show, what's wrong with black people in Missouri? But we could look at Chicago, Illinois, see the same thing. In uh, uh, February of, I think it was 2014, 2015, February, you had the uh, February 24th in Chicago, you had the mayoral primaries. Now, you had 750,000 African Americans registered to vote in Chicago. About 700,000. Only 150,000 voted in the primaries. You had Mayor Rahm Emanuel, you had Jesus Chuy Garcia, the challenger, and Willie Wilson, I think was his last name, African American challenger. 
Mayor Rahm Emanuel got more than the challengers, but because nobody got 50% or more, they had a runoff later that year. Mayor Rahm Emanuel wins the runoff. Then they released the Laquan McDonald video of him being shot 16 times by Officer Jason Van Dyke. 14 of the shots occurred while he was on the ground, posing no threat to Officer Jason Van Dyke. Officer Jason Van Dyke empties his clip. He reloads and is about to start shooting, and his partner comes over and stops him. He's like, what are you doing? All, a number of officers on the scene, Jason Van Dyke was the only one that felt so threatened by this black man walking away from him that he had to shoot him 16 times. So the Laquan McDonald video comes out, right? All hell breaks loose in Chicago. And they're demanding that Mayor Rahm Emanuel resign from office. He said, I'm not going anywhere. He's still there today as mayor. He's still there today as mayor. When they in Chicago, African-Americans are about 38 percent of the population. There's about one million of them. They're the largest ethnic, uh, they're the largest race or ethnic um, class, I mean, ethnic uh, group in uh, Chicago. African-Americans, about a million of them. They had the votes. To get him out of office When election day came They didn't do it At some point You got to realize You have to take your fate into your own hands You can't keep talking about White supremacy White supremacy didn't keep you at home And you stay at home and watch Sanford and Son and good times all day Power is the ability To define and shape reality And have other people accept your definition Of reality as if it were their own Power come from the Latin word poter, meaning to be able. Power is the ability to define and shape reality and to have other people accept your definition of reality as if it were their own. Okay? So these are some of the things that we deal with in the presentation, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Now, the people who are watching us on Facebook Live, who has registered for this course? We have a new section starting tomorrow. Thursday, which is today now, it's 12.59, almost 1 a.m. Thursday, April 7th, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's an eight-hour course broken up into four consecutive Thursdays. It's only $40 to register for this course. At the end of the course, you're going to also get a, a free copy of my DVD presentation, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school, okay? Who's registered for this course who's on who's online right now? We just posted the information. We'll post it again here. Click on the link. Because my approach to understanding transatlantic slate, my approach to teaching this history is different than some other people. We don't deal with it episodically. We deal with it chronologically. Okay? And there's a lot of there's a ton of information we deal with in this class. You want to make sure you have pen and pad handy. This class is recorded. You can go back and watch it over and over again as well. Okay. Um, let's see. All right. Okay. Somebody on Facebook said, what's wrong with the Midwest? Okay. On uh, YouTube. Now those watching us on YouTube, who's registered. Okay. The black Zulu, I think it said, he says he's going to. Okay. Uh, you can also go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, 
you can register there as well. It's right there on the homepage. We have the information, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Those watching us on Facebook uh, Live, we posted the information here on the on the thread of the broadcast. So you can so you can uh, uh, check that out and register there. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So if you have any questions, go ahead and post them here on Facebook Live also. And register for the class. Get ready for it because we're going to cover a lot of information uh, in the course. And it's a good thing it's recorded. You can go back and watch it over and again, over and over again. You can tune in from around the world. So we know we have international listeners and viewers on Facebook Live. You can tune in from around the world also. And uh, this course will blow you away. Okay. You will not be the same after you take this course. Um. So let's see here. Let's see if we have any questions on Facebook. Okay, Herman Face Son on Facebook said, don't leave out Michigan. Yeah, I talked about Michigan, talked about Detroit mayoral race coming up in Detroit. Um, talked about that. Um, all right. Harold, uh, yes, you can if you want to. Yes, you can. Okay, uh, Best Man said, I've got a question. Go ahead with your question, Best Man, on YouTube. And then we're going to get into the story about uh, Tupac. Then we'll get into briefly the story about um, Bill O'Reilly. Now, other people are using economic withdrawal strategies, Okay. Uh, okay, on on YouTube, somebody said how many, I think you said how many black people were brought to the U.S. during slavery? Is that your question? How many blacks were in America? Be, oh, how many blacks were in America before slavery? There were millions of African people. I don't know the exact number. There were millions of us here in the U.S., what we call the U.S. We were also in South America. Uh, we were in South America going back at least 56,000 years ago. Dr. David M. Hotep deals with this in his book, The First Americans Were African, it's documented evidence. But there's new evidence that came out in 2015 because of excavations in South America that pushed the date back to 100,000 years ago. Uh, and there were more African people who were already here than were brought here during the transatlantic slave trade also. Transatlantic slave trade did happen. I'm not saying it didn't happen. But there's a lot of history, and it didn't happen exactly the way we've been told that it happened. Um, also something that happens is that when Europeans come to this land, especially with the British colonies, a lot of the indigenous African nations that were here, um, a lot of them got reclassified as Native Americans. So it became hard to find the indigenous African people here if you didn't know what you were looking for. Uh, okay, Lord uh, posted, uh, they came before before Columbus, but Dr. Ivan Van Sertima, yeah. Dr. Ivan Sertima dealt with some of this information, but that book came out in 1976, so he was really just scratching the surface based upon the information that had been discovered at that point in time. Uh, the First Americans Were Africans uh, by Dr. David Imhotep, that book came out in 2011. So there have been a lot of discoveries that have taken place in the last 40 years. Because the furthest back Dr. David, Dr. Ivan Van Sertima went, and they came before Columbus, 
was Abu Bakari going back to about 1312 A.D. Okay, well, in 2004, Dr. Albert Goodyear discovered, uh, uh, made a, a huge discovery in Allendale County, South Carolina. Okay, and, um, you know, the, uh, at, at a campsite in Allendale County, South Carolina, uh, they discovered artifacts, architecture, campsites, carvings, e- Egyptian writings, footprints in lava, genetic M174D haploid groups dealing with DNA and genet- genetics, deoxyribonucleic acid, which is what DNA stands for. They discovered linguistics, paintings, skulls, skeletons, structures, and tools. Thirteen different disciplines documenting the African presence in this country going back at least 51,700 years ago. So on page 14, of his book, Dr. David M. Hotep deals with this. Now, Dr. Albert Goodyear is an archaeologist at the University of South Carolina. Okay, they made this discovery. Now, um, uh, ScienceDaily.com science uh, has an article from um, November 18, 2004. New evidence puts man in North America 50,000 years ago. New evidence puts man in North America 50,000 years ago. And in the article, it says that radiocarbon tests of carbonized plant plant remains where artifacts were unearthed last May along the Savannah River in Allendale County by University of South Carolina archaeologist Dr. Albert Goodyear indicate that the sediments containing these artifacts are at least 50,000 years old, meaning that humans inhabited North America long before the last ice age. So this article from 13 years ago talks about Dr. Albert Goodyear's discovery. Most of our people don't know about this at all. So when I deal with the transatlantic slave trade, we deal with all this history and chronology of history. Okay, to better understand, better understand the history, how we got into how we got into into this predicament, what we need to do to get out of it. All right, so you can register for it at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, the live international webinar, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School. Also, um, we have the information here on the thread uh, of the broadcast here on Facebook Live as well, okay? We have it here also, okay? All right, now, yesterday, well, Tuesday, April 4th, News came out about a revelation and a new development in the case of who killed Tupac Shakur. Now, we, we know Suge Knight is in prison where he belongs. News1.com had an article about this. They picked up from globalgrind.com. BET had an article also. Dailymail.uk.co.uk had a huge article, the Daily Mail, M-A-I-L. Um... And Suge Knight uh, from prison uh, revealed that um, he was, in fact, the target in the drive-by shooting that killed uh, Tupac Shakur in uh, 1996. Um, Suge Knight claims that his ex-wife, Sharitha, and former Death Row Records security chief, Reggie White Jr., killed Tupac in an attempt to try to end uh, 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 in an attempt to try to kill Suge Knight. They accidentally killed Tupac Shakur. Now, Suge Knight's attorney, Thaddeus Culpepper, wrote in a signed affidavit that, quote, 
Knight, referring to Suge Knight, has known for many years that Reggie White Jr. and his ex-wife, Sharitha Knight, were behind the murder of Tupac and attempted murder of Knight, end quote. He added that Knight also had alleged details of, uh, of, um, of Wright's involvement in the Biggie Smalls murder case, okay? Um, I think they meant to say, uh, oh, Reggie, Reggie Wright, uh, Reggie Wright Jr., uh, Wright's involvement in the Biggie Smalls uh, murder case. Apparently, Suge Knight is speaking out now after hearing that quote-unquote salient points in the new documentary, Tupac Assassination, Battle for Compton, which was directed by Richard Bond and Michael Douglas Carlin. Okay? Now, uh, Richard Bond told the Daily Mail uh, in, in their article, and we'll get the name of that article for you, from um, from the Daily Mail. Just a second. We'll get the name of that article for you. Um, in the article from the Daily Mail, uh, Richard Bond said, quote, when our book came out and we were working on the movie, we gave the salient points of the book to Thaddeus Culpepper, who read them to Suge Knight. Suge's initial, initial response was, quote, who the hell are these guys, end quote. A source added that uh, Reggie, uh, 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 sorry, a source added that Suge Knight admitted to attorney Thaddeus Culpepper that the theories in the movie were true. Suge Knight was reportedly so intrigued by the film, he sent his private investigators to discover how the writers and directors found out about what happened. The documentary also claims that Suge Knight had always been the real target of that fatal shooting. Tupac just got in the way. Okay. Now, if this is true, then I wonder if you're going to have charges pressed against or investigations of, of, uh, Sharifa Knight and Reggie Wright Jr. I wonder if that's going to happen. Very, very interesting. Okay. Um, we're pulling up the article from uh, from Daily Mail also. Um, okay. We're pulling up the article, but the article from News1.com is called Suge Knight Finally Reveals Who Killed, Who Allegedly Killed Tupac. Okay. You won't believe who he fingers in the death. Tupac, uh, Suge Knight Finally Reveals Who Allegedly Killed Tupac. You won't believe who he fingers in the death. Right. Uh, okay, okay. You can also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of my DVD lectures are there. We have uh, the Hidden Colors documentaries there, the documentary Out of Darkness, um, cartoons for the kids, Afro Man, and the Protectors of the Book of Knowledge as well. Let's see. Um, let's see. We have Hidden Colors. Uh, we have the Hidden Colors documentaries. This is Hidden Colors 4. The religion of white supremacy. We have uh, cartoons for the kids also. Um, where are those? Okay, there's somewhere else. All right. Uh, Afro Man and Protectors of the Book of Knowledge. Okay, so the article from um, the Daily Mail is called Suge Knight Claims His Ex-Wife and Former Death Row Records Security Chief Reggie White Jr. Okay, Reggie White, White Jr. Um 
said in one place in the article, they said White from News One. Right, they said, but it's Reggie White Jr. killed Tupac Shakur and insisted he was the real target of the drive-by. Okay, Reggie White Jr. and um, uh, Sharitha uh, Knight, uh, Suge Knight's ex-wife. All right, extensive article from the Daily Mail. Dot uh, com also. OK. Uh, let's see if you have any questions here on. Um, on Facebook. Broadcasting on Facebook live. Share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your parents to tune in. And we're also broadcasting on uh, YouTube as well. <clears throat> OK. All right. Quickly, let's go to the last story. I have to get out of here because I have to be up at 5 in the morning to do Steve Hood's show. Uh, 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation. Wake up with Steve Hood. I'm guest hosting. Uh, I'm usually on 7 a.m. to uh, 8.30 a.m. That's my segment every Thursday, but he's out of town, so I'm guest hosting from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. All right, so uh, we have a couple articles here from... um, TheHeal.com and uh, ThinkProgress.org. TheHeal.com and ThinkProgress.org on Mr. Bill O'Reilly. Mr. Bill O'Reilly, right? So as of yesterday, earlier in the day, yesterday, well, uh, April 4th, two days ago, Tuesday, April 4th, 10 companies uh, had pulled advertisements from Bill O'Reilly's uh, primetime cable program on Fox News, the O'Reilly Factor. Okay, now this was after um, this was after an a, a article from the New York Times on Saturday revealed that Bill O'Reilly had paid thirteen million dollars uh, to five women who had accused him over the years of sexual harassment. Okay, he paid thirteen million dollars to settle these uh, lawsuits. Okay, now Hyundai, BMW of North America, Untucket, Constant Contact, Answorth Pet Nutrition, GSK Pharmaceuticals, Allstate, and Sanofi uh, Consumer Healthcare have said they are pulling their commercials from the O'Reilly factory. This was according to NBC News uh, and the New York Times. They reported this on Tuesday. All right. Now, global asset management firm T. Rowe Price also joined the list, while Mercedes-Benz announced on Monday, this past Monday, that they were also pulling ads from Bill O'Reilly's show that airs on on the Fox News cable network. Now, Hyundai said it made the decision to no longer advertise on the show due to recent and disturbing allegations, according to the New York Times. BMW uh, North America based this decision, uh, quote, in light of the recent New York Times investigation, end quote. Now, um, Bill O'Reilly has had the top-rated TV show on um, Fox News and in um, um, and in the cable news industry for about the last 15 years. Thinkprogress.org had an article from um, April 4th. I think it was later in the day. Advertisers flee the O'Reilly 
factor in mass. Advertisers flee the O'Reilly factor in mass. Latest sexual harassment claims has corporations rethinking their association with Bill O'Reilly. Okay? Latest sexual harassment claims have corporations rethinking their association with Bill O'Reilly. <clears throat> now, when this article came out, it says at least 17 companies have announced they are ending advertising on the O'Reilly factor. At least 17 companies have announced they are ending advertising on the O'Reilly factor. The news comes in the wake of a New York Times story which revealed Bill O'Reilly and Fox News paid five women who accused the top-rated cable host of sexual harassment. Okay? Now, on uh, YouTube, it says, so, okay, Best Man said, what you're saying is that there were more blacks in America than already. I think only 300,000 slaves were brought here. Yeah, um, between 338,000 to to 1.4 African people were brought to the U.S. as slaves, okay? You're going to have a slave breeding business that takes place. Some of the Africans who are already here are going to be enslaved also. But between 338,000 and 1.4 million, only a very small amount were brought to this land. Slave breeding is going to uh, drastically um, increase the population. Slave breeding takes off in 1808. Uh, And on YouTube also, the red file is dangerous. Said my cousin's mom is a police detective, and she set my cousin up on dates with... uh, Bill O'Reilly, okay. All right. Um, Shirley Carter, how you doing, Shirley Carter? Uh, Shalima on Facebook said Bill O'Reilly's, Bill O'Racist, this is karma. Now, at least three of of those companies, Sanofi, Untucket, and Allstate, advertised on the show uh, Tuesday night when O'Reilly did not mention... Um, when O'Reilly did not mention the or or uh, Monday night, they advertised Monday night when Bill O'Reilly did, did not mention the controversy. Okay, so check out these articles also. Now, um, if more advertisers follow, it could pose an existential threat to the O'Reilly factor. The show, which has the highest ratings in cable news, brought in $178 million in uh, 2015, okay? He brought in $178 million in 2015. Dozens of other advertisers, including Microsoft and Comcast and eSurance, ran ads during um, Monday night's uh, show and have not responded to inquiries at the time of this article. Now, Wendy Walsh, a former Fox News guest, said said Bill O'Reilly, quote, became hostile, end quote, after she rebuffed an invitation to his hotel room, she was subsequently blacklisted from O'Reilly's show. Uh, Wendy Walsh appeared with her attorney, Lisa Bloom, on Monday and demanded an independent uh, investigation into the culture of sexual harassment at Fox News. The pressure on O'Reilly is likely to intensify. Sleeping Giants, uh, an a online group that has successfully pressured uh, hundreds of advertisers to abandon Breitbart.com announced it would turn its attention to O'Reilly. Okay. Now Fox News extended Bill O'Reilly's contract for an indefinite period of time 
at $18 million a year. This is what Bill O'Reilly makes from uh, Fox News, $18 million a year, all right? So now what's interesting, and you know I deal, I talk about economic boycotts, deal with the history of it, economic withdrawal strategies. I have a presentation called uh, Empire Strikes Black, the Propaganda of the Media. Empire Strikes Black, the Propaganda of the Media, right? Some of you have seen that presentation. Some of you have ordered that DVD lecture. It's available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Empire Strikes Black, the Propaganda of the Media. Okay, now, so the article from ThinkProgress.org, I'm looking at the article now. They have an update because I printed this article on April 4th at 7.48 p.m. They have an update, okay? It's now over 40 companies, over 40 companies have announced they are ending advertising on the O'Reilly factor. The news comes in the wake of the New York Times story, which revealed Bill O'Reilly and Fox News have paid five women who accused the top-rated cable host of sexual harassment. Over 40 companies, Hyundai, BMW, Mercedes-Benz, GlaxoSmithKline, Mitsubishi, Lexus, Bayer Aspirin, uh, Subaru, uh, Allstate, Constant Contact, Untucket, Wayfair, Answorth, T. Rowe Price, Orkin, Caldwell uh, Anchor, uh, Ben Verified, True Car, Credit Karma, H&R Block, LegalZoom, Jenny Craig, Jenny Craig, Amica, VisionWorks, Pacific Life, Advil, Carfax, Ancestry.com, uh, Southern, New Hampshire, Uni- Southern New Hampshire University, and others. A total of 40, over 40 advertisers have announced they are ending advertising on the O'Reilly factor. Okay? Now, basically, this is because uh, this is because Bill O'Reilly sexually harassed white women. Bill O'Reilly sexually harassed white women. Now, on YouTube, the Red File said O'Reilly was not doing what he was told to do. All of these anchors the same. Trying to get the uh, post up again. All right. But he had paid these sexual lawsuits out over the years. Now, Roger Ailes, who's the founder of Fox News and was the CEO, I think the chairman also, he got pushed out of Fox News because of sexual harassment lawsuits, paying out millions of dollars. Okay? And and we know it's Rupert Murdoch who actually owns Fox News, right? Roger Ailes was the founder and he was the CEO chairman. I think he was the chairman of the board. I know he's the CEO. Roger Ailes is good friends with Donald Trump. Donald Trump just today in an interview with the New York Times that came out, or uh, yesterday, Wednesday, defended Bill O'Reilly. He said Bill O'Reilly's a good guy. He defended Bill O'Reilly. But didn't Donald Trump have a bunch of sexual assault accusers as well? And one was on The Apprentice. 
So he couldn't say he didn't know her because we have video of you all in the boardroom together. Couldn't say Donald Trump, the, the last one that came out, he couldn't say he didn't know her. We have video of you two in the boardroom together. So you have one sexual predator, it appears, uh, defending an another another alleged sexual predator. You have one sexual harasser, it appears, defending another alleged sexual harasser. Imagine that. And Donald Trump also defended uh, Roger Ailes in his sexual harassment lawsuits also. So check out this article from uh, think, uh, thinkprogress.org. Advertisers flee the O'Reilly factor. Advertisers flee the O'Reilly factor. Okay? Um, advertisers flee the O'Reilly factor in mass. Advertisers flee the O'Reilly factor in mass. All right? Now, what's interesting is how these corporations will withdraw economic support from a show when you have a man who pays out sexual harassment lawsuits for sexually harassing white women. Yet, they'll advertise on the show like Empire, which is one of the most degrading shows on TV, that dehumanizes African Americans. That dehumanizes African Americans. Shows us as former drug dealers and killers, things like this. Uh, shows a dysfunctional family. You got one guy, uh, one son married to the white woman. You have another son who's a total misfit. You got the, the son with the only type of moral redemption is gay. This comes from uh, um, Lee Daniels, who's openly gay, right? And Lee Daniels said that he wanted to use the show Empire to blow homophobia to expose homophobia or blow the lid off of homophobia in the African American community. Okay? This is what he, this is what he said. And you study Lee Daniels, this is a sick person. If you read the article from 2009 from the New York Times called um the um uh something about precious. What was the name of that? The audacity of precious. The audacity of precious. New York Times 2009. Read that article. Because Lee Daniels talks about being raised by his uncle who was a hit man. He um, talks about being physically abused by his father because he was gay when he was younger. All times. This is a sick person. And his sickness comes out in his movies that he directs. And he he um, uh, uh, directed uh, Precious. His sickness comes out in his movies like Monster's Ball that he co-produced with Halle Berry, Monster's Ball. His sickness comes out in TV show Empire, one of the most degrading shows on, on television. And you have to understand, you can't keep having images of African Americans as being thugs and hoodlums and gangsters and killers and drug dealers and things like this and think that it does not impact the psyche, the subconscious, of how people see you when you when you're bombarded with images of a, of a group of people it conditions you to think of those people on a subconscious level and the subconscious influences the the conscious 
when you are constantly bombarded with negative images of a group of people, it influences how you act and think about that group of people when you are confronted with somebody who's a, who's representative of that targeted group. It influences how you see evidence when you sit on a jury and you see a video of a man who's being choked to death and he says 11 times, I can't breathe. And you don't think the police did anything wrong because they're protecting you from those people who you keep seeing on the evening news as criminals and rapists and murders and thugs. And you see them in the movies and TV like this. Okay. People are being conditioned to elicit a certain response and remove the cognitive dissonance that Dr. Joy DeGruy talks about in, um, Post-traumatic slave syndrome. Okay. The cognitive dissonance. You, you, you label a people with negative pejorative terms to then change the way people think about them, change the way people act towards them to remove any discomfort in the way you mistreat them. In the way you mistreat them. Okay. Okay. Ozzy Morales, what, what, what's your question here? Are you a troll? Because I will get rid of you. Okay, I will I will get rid of trolls. If you don't have anything better to do than to troll me, then it says more about you than it does me. I have 900,000 followers on this fan page. How, how, how many do you have, Ozzy? Shoes on head. What is this about? If we have trolls here, let me know who the trolls are because I'll get rid of them. Um... Okay, so, um, okay, all right, so we have the um, webinar, the live webinar, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school coming up, and we have people tuning in and out of this broadcast, Ozzy, uh, just so you know. We got people tuning in and out all the time, and people will go back. Thousands of people will watch this as usual. It's, uh, I guarantee I got more people watching me than watching you. So the live webinar, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, starts up uh, Thursday, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, yes, two jackass trolls on here. They have, they have nothing better to do and to come on this page, which says something about them and the people they're around. They they have nothing better to do, and they're showing how ignorant they are also. So don't worry, I'll get rid of them. Or maybe I'll, I'll let them stay there for people to see how ignorant you are. Okay, so register for our live webinar, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. We have the link. We just posted the link again here on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. It's only forty dollars. It's uh, uh, it's eight hours. It's uh, uh, four sessions, four consecutive Thursdays, seven p.m. to nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, it's it'll be recorded, so you can go back and watch it over and over again. You'll be able to ask questions in class also. You'll be able to ask questions as well. Okay, and um, you'll be able to. 
uh, we'll have the um, you'll get our live present you'll get our uh, DVD presentation also understand the transatlantic slave trade which is a four and a half hour uh, DVD lecture that I did uh, back in 2014 I think it was you'll get that also okay all right and let me make sure I covered all the topics here tonight so uh, I will be on Steve Hood's show Thursday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation in Detroit at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have information on how to listen to the show. If you're in Detroit, just tune your a.m. dial to 9, 10 a.m. Um, and we'll deal with some of these topics and other topics also. Okay. But tonight we dealt with what's wrong with black people, um, especially in Missouri. We talked about Ferguson, Missouri, the mayoral race, and uh, we talked about um, St. Louis, Missouri, mayoral race in St. Louis, Missouri as well. We talked about who killed Tupac Shakur. We talked about advertisers uh, dropping the Bill O'Reilly, uh, dropping advertising from the Bill O'Reilly uh, show, uh, the, the O'Reilly Factor on Fox News. And with all these advertisers dropping advertising, right? Check this out. All these advertisers dropping advertising. Why why aren't they pulling advertising from the TV show Empire? Why why aren't they pulling advertising um uh why aren't they, why aren't they pulling advertising from the TV show Empire? Because of its degrading images of African Americans. This is why we have to leverage the dollars that we spend with these corporations to push them to stand up for our behalf. Because if you look at what's going on in North Carolina right now, <clears throat> a few days ago, the state legislature changed the bathroom bill. Okay? They changed the bathroom bill because they lost $3.7 billion in revenue coming into South Carolina, coming into North Carolina because of protests. Okay? So you have. Uh, so they just changed the law. Now, some people say they didn't go far enough, but they did change it because the economic pressure worked. There were over 250 businesses that had economic boycotts, drew economic, drew, withdrew economic support. You had entertainers, all different types of things like this. You had businesses ex- expressing uh, uh, concern over what was going on, and they lost $3.7 billion in businesses. Okay, so um, so this is what happened. All right, now you have um, you have um, same thing happened in March of 2015 in Indiana. March of 2015 in Indiana, you had um, the Indiana Religious Freedom Law. Indiana Religious Freedom Law that was signed in the law by, at the time, Governor Mike Pence, who's now vice president. So when this was signed in the law, all hell broke loose. <clears throat> Excuse me. All hell broke loose. And you had uh, corporations expressing uh, extreme concern, like Apple. You had corporations like PayPal and Angie's List shutting down projects they had going on in um, Indiana, et cetera. You had outpouring of concern from corporate America. You had uh, uh, the state of Connecticut, which banned um, 
business travel to the state of Indiana. You had the NCAA uh, banning uh, business travel, all different types of things like this taking place. Okay. So with all that, with all that happening, uh, within a little more than a week, so we just blocked Ozzy's stupid ass, another troll, nothing better to do. You know, these white supremacist trolls are ridiculous. You had nothing better to do than to come on here. And we got much more followers and more people watching this than uh, you do. Okay, so bye-bye, Ozzy. Go tell Harriet I said hi. Um, yeah, I blocked that dumbass troll. Who's the other one? I blocked that troll also. Okay, so you have uh, that taking place in Indiana in a little more than a week, a little more than a week in Indiana, they changed the law because of the economic pressure. You had nine uh, conventions that threatened to uh, nine conventions that threatened to uh, block Clinton's ass also Clinton's dumbass. nine conventions in Indiana that threatened to um, cancel their conventions. Yeah, well, Apple didn't boycott in Indiana. Tim Cook is the CEO of Apple. He uh, expressed extreme concern because Tim Cook is openly gay. But Apple did not boycott. PayPal did um, in Indiana. So in a little more than a week, they changed the law. In a little more than a week, in uh, Indiana, they changed the law. Okay, and now we're freezing up here on Facebook. Not sure why. Well, it looks like it's moving some. So a little more than a week, because of the economic pressure in Indiana, they changed the law. You had one convention that did cancel, and it cost the state of Indiana five hundred thousand dollars. Okay, now how is it that these corporations can speak? They, they can come out for LGBT, but they can't speak out for for BLACK. How is it these corporations can come out for uh, LGBT and speak out for LGBT, but they can't come out for BLACK? So when African-Americans are being shot down in the street by rogue police officers, I'm not saying all police officers, but rogue police officers, when they are being over-incarcerated and they're dealing with stop and frisk, when they're dealing with broken windows policies, when they're dealing with things like this, let's go live again, okay? When they're dealing with things like this, how is it that these corporations are silent? Okay, I find that very interesting. How is it these corporations are silent when this happens? Okay, okay, so we're back on Facebook Live. The app froze up. We're back on Facebook Live. Okay, so what I was saying is you have these corporations who spoke out for the LGBT community in Indiana behind the Indiana Religious Freedom Law in March of 2015 and had economic withdrawal, put economic pressure on. Uh, on the state of Indiana. 
you have this going on with North Carolina behind the bathroom bill, okay? Where are these corporations when African Americans are being shot down in the street, discriminated against because of voter suppression, over-incarcerated when they're being uh, shot down by rogue police officers, no one held accountable, when you're dealing with uh, broken policy, broken window policies, um, different things like this, police misconduct, police brutality. How is it they're silent? When, when you had the Indiana Religious Freedom Law in March of 2015 and the bathroom bill that started late last year in North Carolina, nobody was killed. Nobody was shot down in the street. How's it you get all this outpouring support from corporate America for that and they're silent when African-Americans are shot down, when we're the victims of voter suppression, when in Chicago you have, you know, uh, thousands of people shot in a year in Chicago, majority of them African-Americans. How is it they're silent when those type of conditions exist and they speak up over transgender people being able to piss in the in the toilet of their choice. But what we have to understand is that we have to leverage the billions of dollars that we spend with these various corporations to force them to speak out on our behalf, just like they do with the LGBT. Otherwise, we'll withdraw economic support from them. This is what logical people do. Otherwise, we'll withdraw economic support from them. Okay. All right. We'll stop. We're about to stop broadcasting on uh, YouTube. A visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com on YouTube. Okay. Uh, I, mean, I mean, visit our website AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right. Uh, okay. We stopped broadcasting there. Battery ran down. Okay. Um, okay. Any questions before we get out of here? Okay, got another troll here. Glad to know the trolls are out there. Uh, you you have nothing better to do than to come on this page. But that says something about you and your pitiful life. All right, okay, so uh, Morris Reed. Okay, you have to go back and listen to the first part, Morris, because we dealt with we dealt with uh, what was wrong. We talked about the results in Ferguson, Missouri, and um, the result uh, with the mayoral race in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, now those watching on Facebook Live, how many, okay, we started a new broadcast on Facebook Live also. How many of you all uh, have registered for our live webinar that we're doing starting uh, Thursday, April 6, 2017, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School, Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Okay, who's registered for the live webinar? It's uh, four sessions, four consecutive Thursdays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, the information will blow you away. I'm going to post the information here on the thread. We got part two of the uh, broadcast here. Okay, Brandy, Brandy said, keep up the good work. All right, thanks, Brandy. 
Okay, Nasir said, I plan to register. All right. Uh, Henry Malcolm said, keep up the good work. You want to have pen and pad handy for this uh, live webinar also because it's going to blow you all away. Seriously, the type of information I have. All right. Uh, who watching the broadcast is registered for it? And I was trying to send this other email blast out. This thing wasn't working. Try to do this after the fact. Okay, guys, look, we got to get out of here. Uh, you want to close? Wait. Okay, guys, we got to get out of here. Hey, uh, remember on the uh, Michael M. Hotep show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African. Okay, Nasir said, I appreciate all that you do. Thanks. New City said, good job, great info. Uh, now, this show is, is, is podcasted also at um, um, on our Blog Talk Radio page, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African History Network show. So I know people have like, some people may have restrictions on data uh, on their phone. So you can go back and uh, uh, listen to the show in its entirety um, at Blog Talk Radio, okay? And um, we'll post a link here to the show. Okay. All right, Leslie in Chicago, how you doing? Hey, if you want to bring me in and do a presentation for your group or organization, email me at info at africanhistorynetwork.com, info at africanhistorynetwork.com, info at africanhistorynetwork.com if you want to bring me in and do a presentation for your group or organization. Email me at info at africanhistorynetwork.com if you want uh, Michael M. Hotep to do a presentation for your group uh, or organization. And, okay, so we have Brenda Battle in Windsor, uh, North Carolina. Care Barra said, uh, how are you doing? How are you doing? What's the message today? Okay, Care Bearer, we're going to post this again. Um, this is what we talked about uh, today. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Okay, our current promotion at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, spend $100 or more, get 20% off your entire order. Spend $100 or more, get 20% off your entire order. Use promo code March 2017 promo, promo code March 2017 promo, Okay. So tonight we talked about what's wrong with black people, especially in Missouri. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, the Ferguson, Missouri uh, mayoral election that took place uh, Tuesday. And uh, the white mayor, James Knowles, uh, won re-election by less than 500 votes, beat out an African-American challenger, uh, Ella Jones, who is uh, on the city council. Uh, we talked about also Tashara Jones in St. Louis lost her bid uh, to to be mayor by 888 votes. We talked about uh, who killed uh, Tupac Shakur. Suge Knight has a new revelation about that, who killed Tupac Shakur. And uh, we also talked about uh, economic withdrawal strategies, how white corporations are redistributing the pain to Bill O'Reilly behind sexual harassment lawsuits, right? 
and, and paying out $13 million, he and Fox News paying out $13 million to five sexual harassment uh, accusers, okay, to settle these lawsuits. And we're saying African-Americans have to leverage the billions of dollars we spend with these various corporations, leverage our dollars we spend with them to get them to act on our behalf like they're coming out to rescue these white women. Okay, because this is this, this is why they're they're coming out against Bill O'Reilly. It's not because of what Bill O'Reilly said on the O'Reilly factor. It's not because of Bill O'Reilly condemning Black Lives Matter or him being a white supremacist bigot. It's not because of that. It's because of sexual harassment uh, lawsuits that they uh, that he settled about Saturday in the article from the Washington Post. That's why. Okay, very interesting. <laughs> interesting how that works. Now, the name of the article from the New York Times, this was a, this was a bombshell article from the New York Times, is called um, Bill O'Reilly's Sexual Harassment Fox News. I think that's what it's called. Bill O'Reilly's Sexual Harassment Fox News, okay, from April 1st. It's not an April Fool's joke. And this could very well pull Bill O'Reilly off the air. Bill O'Reilly thrives at Fox News even as harassment settlements add up. Bill O'Reilly thrives at Fox News, even as harassment settlements add up. Now, in my opinion, not only should Bill O'Reilly be taken off the air, the Fox News network should be taken off the air. It's a white supremacist network. And they just put out a bunch of lies. It's very anti-African-American. They attack the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, the entire network. We we, We should go after the advertisers who we spend billions upon billions of dollars with each year and leverage the dollars we spend with them to get them to withdraw economic support and ask them, this is what they think of African-Americans. This is what they said. Now, where do you stand on this? Do you agree with this? How is it you come out for the LGBT community, but you don't speak out on our behalf and we spend this amount of money with you on an annual basis? So, Either you speak out for us like you do the LGBT community or we'll withdraw economic support from you. This is what our various organizations have to do. Okay. All right. Look, we got to get out of here. Uh, Erica Watson, how you doing? There's people joining, uh, joining us in. And this is the second part of the broadcast uh, on Facebook live. Uh, you can go back and watch the first part. And we posted the thread also, um, we have the information. Uh, okay, Roy, how you doing? Um, all right. Okay. Uh, Gunjaman from peace, uh, from Mississippi. Okay. Now those just joining us, uh, who's registering for the live webinar we're doing starting this Thursday, April 7, April 6, 7 PM to 9 PM, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We have a new section of the class starting up. It's eight hours, uh, two, uh, it's four two-hour sessions. Uh, those who are watching us live on Facebook, who's registering for it? Nathan, uh, Nathaniel Blackman, uh, Blackman said, good topic. All right, thanks. Uh, we have Masuthu joining from South Africa. And this is a live international webinar we're doing uh, uh, this evening. You can tune in from around the world, all right? 
All right, we got to get out of here. Hey, remember on the Michael M. Hotep show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.